0: Welcome to Chapters of Motherhood. This is a weekly podcast about this hashtag mom life that is motherhood with all the struggles, chaos, and true blessings that come with the title mom. I am your host, Veronica. At 17 years old, I became a mom for the first time, and at 41, I had a water birth for my fifth baby. The goal of this podcast is to share with you my motherhood experience and hopefully help you realize that you are not alone in your own mom life journey. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, working mom, or a single mom, from potty training struggles, bedtime snuggles, and everything in between, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I share your frustrations and your joys. Every week is a different chapter of motherhood. And Welcome back to another episode of Chapters of Motherhood. I am your host, Veronica, and today we are joined by Jennifer Alchabal, founder of Cornerstone Learning Academy. Jennifer was actually a guest on episode three of season three, Taking Your Power Back, and she is back today with us with an update on making her dreams of holistic learning come true with Cornerstone. Welcome, Jennifer.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So it's been a full year. My girls love the school. I was very happy with it as well. And I just think that this is such an important topic, especially with what's going on in the world today with, you know, um, education, the board of education. And I came from California. I came to Idaho. So I just know that it's nationwide that a lot of parents are starting to become more aware that they need to be more involved with their schools and the school system and you know, with the politics behind it, and we decided (laughs) we're just going to take our power back (laughs) and choose what our children should be learning, which for me, you know, the traditional three R's and, you know, more holistic learning, more um, gardening, like, like actual Mm -hmm. things that um, children need nowadays. And that it's just, it's lost knowledge now.
1: Definitely. Yeah, and that's definitely what we wanted to do when we came into our own educational um, world <laughs> is um, kind of transition the public school and that model that I was so used to, um, but definitely creating my own idea of what education should be and how I would have liked to have been educated when I was a kid. Um, A lot of the things that we do at Cornerstone are are very similar to what you would find at a public school. We have um, licensed instructors. Um, We have a typical classroom environment, but we also integrate in um, more hands-on tactile learning with activity days and um, daily clubs that we do where where students can kind of uh, determine at an early age, you could say, instead of waiting until they're in middle school or high school and being exposed to electives and maybe not really knowing what what they're into or what they what they um, what makes them tick we offer those clubs and those elective type classes at a very early age so students can really hone in on their niche and what what gets them excited about learning and so they are learning that at an early age and so when they go into middle school or high school they're honing in on those skills instead of trying to figure them out and discover them
0: Right. Yeah. I I noticed that the kids, when they came home with the club list, I was like, what? The club list has gardening. It has um, drama. It had uh, uh, animals. Uh, I guess it was like an animals club. And then the one that shocked me was gun safety. I'm like, that's awesome that you had gun safety. My daughter took it. Yeah. And, And it's so funny to think that kids have niches, like what do you mean they have niches so, yeah they're <laughs> they're humans <laughs> they're, you are know, yep. tiny humans that actually have their own minds that have their own expertise and they have exactly. no, their own interests,
1: yeah, exactly, and if we can discover that at an early age, kids can empower themselves in the in their learning instead of feeling like they needed to be guided through it,
0: right, I agree, so tell me how was that first
1: year? <sighs> well, our first year. I can't believe it was over so quickly. <laughs> um, we definitely had some learning curves. I think any new business would have some learning curves, but we ironed those out right away. We had an amazing staff that stepped up to join me on this on this mission to redis- redefine education. And um, everybody was just on board with, with the mission and the vision. And so when we needed to make adjustments, we made them and it, it ended up being fairly smooth. Um, even though there were some things that we had to either add or you know remove from the program in those first few weeks we discovered that really early on and everybody was really flexible with getting it done and so I really feel like by the second or third month that we had caught our groove and um, kids were, were learning like they hadn't even skipped a beat and it every day my heart was just so full because um, I had gone from public school where I would see students being reprimanded for putting their arm around their best friend to kids coming in screaming, I love school. And, um, and it just felt normal. It just felt, it felt like all of the madness hadn't happened when you stepped into Cornerstone.
0: Right. And that's one thing that I did notice that the children weren't scared. They weren't afraid to hug a teacher. I, my own little Gracie, she hugs everybody, so I had to put a stop to her. Like, hey, you can't be hugging everybody, but she had no fear of, you know, of adults. She had no fear of they're they're going to reject her or anything like that. And and the kids there as well. When I pick them up, they're hugging each other, saying, "Oh, goodbye. Have a good day. I love you." I'm like, wow, <laughs> like this friendship it really did really- create.
1: Just a, a family community, yeah, yeah. A family a community, yep, yeah. and I loved how our our younger kids knew the older students. Um, we would have reading buddy days where the younger kids would make hot cocoa for the middle school students and they would come in and read to the younger students and our lower grade teachers would teach clubs for the upper grade students. And so we all knew each other. Mm-hmm. And we all had buy in. We all wanted Cornerstone to be successful and making it just a great place to learn. And I mean, everyone truly did have buy in on that. And you could see it. Our students were helping other students. With you know peer tutoring, if they didn't understand a concept, or a student was asking if they could help me vacuum <laughs> for tickets, yes. you know, and um, just you could tell that there, we had we had created this um, just this environment of love and mutual respect, and um, a, a love of learning, and uh, every day coming in, um, e- anything that was hard on that day was just easily overcome by the joy that was felt when uh, when you'd see the students learning or having fun or making a new friend.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think you hit it right on the nail when you said you, you created a space for children to love to learn, a love of learning. And it's evident. You could see it in, in the children. You could see it with the teachers. You could see when they, when they were talking to each other. Um, I was fortunate enough to go on some field trips and see the interactions. And The kids were very well behaved, hardly anyone got out of, out of hand. And if they did the, the children themselves would say, Hey, you know, calm down, come on, let's go do this. And it was just, it it just, it seemed to me more like a family dynamic where they were brothers and sisters, like everybody, everybody looked out for each other. And of course, you know, there's going to be, you know, rivalry and some, you know, like tattletalings, they're kids, it happens, (laughs) but very minimal.
1: Yeah, I, I could, I could say that, you know, I only a handful of times had to pull a student into my office to, to talk to them about, you know, how we should have done something a little bit differently. Um, but it was all it's always done in love. And students mm-hmm. would be my office and you could tell that they it had hit home mm-hmm. um, because we're not we're not about just telling students what they did wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to teach students, hey, this is how this behavior or this action was inappropriate and this is what we need to do next time to make it right and walking them through the steps because every moment is a learning moment and you can take any any action that a student did or any behavior or any consequence and you can turn it into a moment where they're walking away with, with insight into that experience. And, and that's what I really can <laughs> I mean, get choked up. That's what I really want to do for my students here is make every moment a learning moment. And so kids can see that we're, we're always learners. <laughs> you don't get to be adults and mm-hmm. have all figured out. <laughs> and so when, when we make a mistake too, as teachers, you know, having that, that, um, that relationship where we can, we can say, oops, I messed up. And the kids can say, oops, I messed up. And we can move forward without, um, without that still being in the back of our mind because we know what we did wrong and how to make it better in, in the future. And, and I, I, I can't actually can't even tell you as a student that I had in my office more than once um, mm-hmm. for, for the same issue because they walked away with insight into it and with knowledge and, and they learned something from
0: it. Mm-hmm. And I feel
1: like they felt understood. Because
0: I know that my, my little Emily had a little incident and she was embarrassed and she was just hiding and just hurt her to her core. And you were so gentle with her. Everybody was just so gentle and just very loving and it's okay. And she came out of it just feeling understood and held like really like held in place. Um, which is something that would have like, you know, like you get older and you still remember those things and you're like, Oh my God, how could that have happened? But it didn't shame her, Mm -hmm. you know? And so she was able to get over it pretty quickly or not get over it, just heal from it pretty quickly.
1: Yeah and that is I mean ultimately our hope cuz we're always going to make mistakes or have something that we didn't mean to happen happen to us and when we can like you said hold each other in that space in understanding and love and compassion then it helps the person that's experiencing it not only to move on from it but you know we we're all learning together how to be compassionate and um you know if a, another student were to say something that is hurtful and and it happens, it happens at any school, Mm -hmm. Um, letting them go inward and, and, and walking them through how it would have made, made them feel. And, and and I can see that compassion playing out throughout the school year, because when we first came in, a lot of students had either come from, you know, getting taken out of public school all of a sudden, or they um, hadn't been, they have been homeschooling for a very long time, um, or they had come from really bad public school environments where they didn't feel seen. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have a teacher that walked them through the steps of what to do next time. And so they came in with these behaviors that, you know, we we had to redirect. And we had to say, that's, you know, that's not how we do it here. This is how we do it. And, you know, by the first couple months, it just seemed like everyone had that, that understanding and um, a commitment to each other that um, we were, we were going to get through the school year together. And we were going to build a community that we didn't have out there uh, mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I chose the lighthouse for my logo is because I want it to be a light in the darkness and I want my students to be a light in the darkness because there's a lot of bad things out in the world and we have two routes that we can go mm-hmm. we can choose the route of the world or we could be light and um, I want to teach kids how to do that
0: beautiful beautifully said I love it so with keeping that in mind in mind like can you can we talk about your experience in public schools, um, like in your whole career of public schools and how it is that you wanted to change that into Cornerstone Learning Academy? Because there there are other, um, what are they called?
1: Like homeschool pods.
0: Yeah, there's other like homeschool pods, other like bridge programs, right Um, around everywhere nationwide um, around here. But why did you choose to do your program this way? Like, what did you take from previous experience, changed it and transform it into this program?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was lucky enough in my education and teaching journey to work in multiple capacities in the school district. So I actually started um, as a substitute teacher. Um, I was just doing it part time. I was in college. Um, I was thinking about becoming a nurse. Um, And pretty quickly on, I realized I wasn't very good around blood. (laughs) And um, I was substituting at the time and really, really loved working with kids. And I just had kind of discovered that I loved working with children. And um, so I um, at at the time I was a substitute, I got offered a job as a teacher's assistant in a, a resource room for students that are struggling with their core subjects and at that at that school, I actually happened to meet somebody who was was deaf, she was an aide as well. And I ended up having really a really a knack for sign language and learned it really, really quickly. And that following year, I was actually offered a part-time um, a sign language assistant position where I was um, helping students um, in kind of the same capacity as an aide. Um, and I was the, the bridge between the, teach, the speaking teacher and them. Um, and I loved sign language and working with kids so much, I decided to um, transition from nursing degree over to sign language interpreting. Um, and I finished my sign language interpreting degree, and um, I, I took the the k through twelve. EIPA test, which allowed me to interpret for grades kindergarten through twelfth grade in the public school setting legally in Idaho, because you have to have that test to interpret. <clears throat> um, and then I was an interpreter for a lot of years in elementary, middle school, and high school. Um, so I got to experience all those different grades and how they interact with students and how they get uh, find their their niche, <laughs> and um, and. After I um, had worked for several years, I just I just had this nagging feeling that I just I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and I went back and I got my teaching certificate and I've been teaching for the last five years. Uh, it's my 20th year in education, though. So um, because of all the that experience, I was able to see the school district from a lot of different perspectives. And so I think that that really did help me to gauge how Cornerstone needed to be um, constructed and developed because during COVID a lot of families got kicked out as I did if you remember in the last episode and um, I I remember when when we were kicked out of school homeschooling was really hard it was a lot different than teaching in a in a normal classroom with you know 30 32 ish kids sometimes thirty six mm-hmm. and um in my living room with just my two students it was so much harder and that first month I was struggling and I didn't understand why it was so hard because I considered myself a you know qualified and experienced educator <clears throat> and the first month went by and we started hearing whispers about unschooling and um, ways to kind of break the mold, I guess you could say, of what the structure of the public school system. Right. And so we started doing that. We started doing it a little bit differently because we started at the very beginning as this time is math. This is English. This is break. This is lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it didn't work as well. Mm-hmm. So when we started doing a little bit more unschooling and when I could tell that the kids were, you know, maybe drowning a little bit in their English or their math work, or they're just getting a little bit burnt out on it we would take a break right away. We didn't have to finish that full 45 minutes or we'd pull out another activity or we'd go to the park or mm-hmm. we'd, I'd ask the kids what they liked to learn and what they wanted to learn about for the day. And we'd spend the afternoon learning about whales or um, I think we learned about the pyramids one day. <laughs> and, and so then I started realizing that I, I really couldn't go back to public school mm-hmm. um, between them not probably allowing my kids to come back and knowing that my kids needed a school. Um, I also did not feel like I was in a, alignment with them anymore um, as a teacher. And so I started just kind of thinking about how, how I would have liked to see school if I was a kid and mm-hmm. in, this, in this world, you
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: so uh, I, I decided that there were a lot of elements to the public school system that were, were good, were, were worth saving mm-hmm. um, the teacher in front of the classroom giving a lesson with kids interacting and engaged. That is meaningful. Kids have um, have a need for structure. They thrive in structure, mm-hmm. but they also thrive when you throw out the structure <laughs> and you say, we're just gonna learn it however it fits for you. Cause we all learn differently. We're auditory, tactile and visual learners and everyone's a little bit different. So um, finding a way to incorporate all of those equally throughout the week was something that I really wanted to do while still salvaging the elements of the public school system that were valuable. So we decided at Cornerstone to do a a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday schedule that, that was very similar to the public school system. So throughout the school year, that between those three days a week, we cover all of the standards. Um, but because we save our Um, we save our experiments and our excursions and our, um, more learning explorations for Monday and Friday where a public school would kind of sprinkle those throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Um, I keep those on Mondays and Fridays because that allows, that allows for homeschooling parents that are doing full homeschooling to come in on just those days and get, uh, standards-based activities, but also get socialization and they can choose just those two days. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, they can also just choose the three-day program and do unschooling at home on Mondays and Fridays. Then we had a, just a ton of families that were in the same boat as I was that needed a full-blown replacement to public school. And so with our five-day option, we are a full-blown replacement to the public school. Um, Mondays and Fridays are just the days that we save our more of our hands-on activities, but um, it's it's basically the same concept as a public school, but we just save those the longer activities for those days in order to give families a flexible option on their learning. Because a lot of parents really enjoyed homeschooling once they got Mm -hmm. into it. And they're like, oh, I love this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I love this. I I wanna do this, but how can I support my kids Mm -hmm. with friendships or how am I gonna do that really hard experiment um, that hits the standard? And we can be a support for that. Instead of feeling like you have to be in a full-time program, you can do your curriculum at home with your students and still get those socialization aspects. Right.
0: And you know what I'll tell you, Jen, I loved, loved doing homeschool with the kids because I felt like I was also learning. And so at first I was very intimidated. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to pull them. But then when the whole COVID happened, I'm like, I have no choice. I have to pull them and I cannot send them back because of everything that's going on. So. I, and so sometimes some people may be like, well, you know, that's a luxury or, you know, you're privileged or things like that. It's like, no, you just got to cut things out. Like you can stay home and teach your children. You don't have, I don't, I didn't know. I just, I just picked a curriculum that's called um, the good and the beautiful it's Christian based though. It's, I know that it's not accepted in most um, public schools or public um, bridges, but um, this program that I got is called the good and the beautiful and it's Christian based. And it it really is like, you just open it and you go and it tells you exactly what to do. And so I loved it. I felt like I was learning my biggest problem, which is why I came to corner (laughs) My biggest problem was, um, during history, during history, I know a lot. So I go off on tangents and I just, cannot (laughs) stay focused on the, on the lesson and science. I don't know anything about science. I'm bad at science. So I figured, okay, I need help in those. And then plus with the children, we had uprooted everything that they ever known and came and they didn't have any friends. We didn't have any family. We didn't have any activities, um, any community activities that is, I'm not, I'm not very church going. So I I didn't go to church. So I was like, I don't have anything for these kids to make uh, friends or have a community, which is why I gravitated to Cornerstone and they found exactly what they were looking for. So as time went on, I took advantage of your um, half day programs on, I sent them four days a week, but half Mm days, And it really worked out for me because I was able to also go on excursions with you, um, Mm -hmm. with them and be able to help out every once in a while. And so for me, it worked out, but the more busy that I'm getting, I'm like, okay, I'm getting too busy. I'm not teaching them. They're not getting what they need from me. I'm going to have to send them full time. So this year coming, I am going to be sending them three times a week. And then whenever they have excursions, I'll just make myself available and take them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that's what we love. I love about my program is that we can be that, that flexible, perfect fit (laughs) for every family, because um, everyone's in a little bit different position. Um, In the morning, we have English and math support. And in the afternoon, we have our specials, which are STEM art, music, and history and science. And we do have families that are comfortable doing one at home with their with their own students with their own curriculum and they come in for half days Um, a lot of families that are doing four-day programs and they they get a three-day weekend and they do a little bit of unschooling on their weekend Um, for families that um, you know need a little bit of um, extra support we have that full-time full-time fit because a lot of families they work Mm full-time and COVID hit and well you know what are we going to do we're not all privileged that we can just you -hmm. you know, let go of our, uh, an income Mm -hmm. and a a job. And so, and I was in the the same position where I loved to teach Mm -hmm. and um, I couldn't give up working with kids or teaching, teaching. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was one of the things that was hard for me thinking about leaving the school district when COVID first hit, because I almost opened Cornerstone Learning Academy the year before, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to stick it out in the public school. I wanted I wanted all good things for public school and for our kids that are in there. And I was hoping that the gut feeling that I was getting was off and wrong and that we were going to turn it around and things were going to be good. But I spent another year in the school district with things being really rough and really hard seeing kids in a position where they, they weren't able to just be kids. And I remember the day it was the beginning part of November and they sent out an email saying that I couldn't have my, my mask free corner anymore. They let us have a corner in the room where students could go and, and take their mask down off of, off their face. And I had spent a lot of time making that a very warm and welcoming corner. Um, And then they told me that I had to get rid of it. And I marched straight out to my principal and I told him no, I said, I wasn't going to do it. And um, it it was, It was kind of a moment that needed to happen because it wasn't very long after that where they rescinded their visor and policy and wouldn't let my kids back in the school because they were wearing visors and not masks. And um, so I guess it was kind of a a needed thing to happen because it made me say, no, this is the line. Mm -hmm. This is the line. I'm not crossing it. Um, And I I needed that year, ultimately, to to see the failings in the public school system and to gain the courage to do something about it.
0: Right. Yeah, wonderful. And yeah, sometimes you need that push, because if you've already had this in mind for a year prior, sometimes it's just God pushing you like, hey, are you going to open up this school or what? Because families are waiting for you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It
0: was God. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Okay. So can we talk about funding now? A lot of the times these bridge programs are pretty expensive when you compare it to free education in the public school. You just got to give up your soul. That's all you got to yeah. do. No, right. Just give up your soul and you <laughs> can have free education. Okay. I don't want to give up my soul. So how much is it going to cost me to still get educated?
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? And, <laughs> and you know, thank goodness. I- oh, we'll go 100%. ahead. Oh, I was just
0: going to say, thank goodness that the school districts do offer funding for these programs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our partnership with Tech Trip and Harmony is um, education is so valuable. Um, A lot of our families might not be able to afford a private, um, you know, learning facility if they didn't have the additional support. And, you know, when I started Cornerstone, I didn't I didn't have money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't have teachers and I didn't have a building. I really just had a dream on what I needed to do, uh, what I wanted to do for kids. And I, I stepped out in faith and God has provided for me through this year. And, um, yeah, it is, it is, um, there are a lot of expenses that I wasn't anticipating Mm -hmm. and, you know, even the public school system, they get all of these tax dollars, but they do fundraisers all the time. I mean, they do runathons, a mm-hmm. um, thons they, they raffle off baskets, they're constantly looking for additional money too. So the fact that we got through this year without me having um, any money of my own to start was, it was a blessing. It was definitely divine intervention. Um, so yeah, when we started the school, when we started the school, we were talking with the city because, you know, you need to get permitted correctly if you're going to be a school. And we were talking to them for probably five or six weeks and we thought our permit was on its way to us when I got a call from Julie, I'll never forget Julie. And she told me that we were permitting incorrectly, and that we needed to hire an architect and uh, do some very serious updates to our building. Um, At the time she thought I needed to put in three exterior doors, um, tear down walls and widen my hallways. (laughs) Um, That I needed to put in two drinking fountains, um, um, a fire alarm system and a sprinkler system. Um, If I had had to put in the sprinkler system, I would have been ruined um, because we were on a slab. And so we would have had to uh, dig plumbing Mm -hmm. to accommodate a sprinkler system. We found an architect that was willing to give me a very good discount on his services Um, by discount is still pretty close to (laughs) $10,000. But he was able to work just magic and get us opened and permitted the day before we opened for school. We did have to put in a drinking fountain, um, some temporary walls because we didn't have time to put in the exterior doors. Um, And then we had to put in a $30,000 fire alarm system. Um, So um, with all the updates, it was a little over $40,000 that we were not (laughs) anticipating before Mm -hmm. school started. So that was kind of a big surprise. Um, And next year we have, I just have so many dreams for the school. I I definitely want another location um, so that we can expand across the state. Um, We have to take down those temporary walls because the flow of the building isn't the same with those walls up and the students really need um, the access to certain parts of the building that are blocked with these walls. Um, and you have to do a little bit of a shuffle around the building to access certain certain parts. Um, we also have two vans w- that we were so blessed to get these these vans. Um, but in order to be able to transport large groups of students, we really need a bus because mm-hmm. um, right now we do we have to do trips, multiple trips, if we want to transport our entire school to mm-hmm. a location. And um, and then I, I definitely need some technology updates. Our teachers would would benefit from having a, a nice desktop computer and a nice projector. Right now, they we have, a, I'll, just, I'll just say it, we bought some cheap laptops to get us by <laughs> last year. And um, I really just want to bless my teachers and get them um, some technology that will help them to make instruction easier and more streamlined. Um, and those are our big needs um, that are upcoming for the next school year. Okay. so. I am assuming. Well, wouldn't you get these um,
0: funding from the state or from school districts? It, are you completely separated from the school districts?
1: Yeah. So typically, okay. a public school, when they need updates, they would put in a petition or they would write a grant for things that they need. And we can still write grants, but we're not attached to the public school system besides our partnership with Tech Prep and Harmony. Um, but they are—they are a partnership with me, and they—they um, they don't dictate my business strategies, if that makes sense. And they don't help with funding my business. They fund my parents and the students. Um, and so parents at that, at that point can decide to use it for my program, um, or they can keep that money and use it for other educational services. Um, so yeah, a school district would, would request a, or petition the district in most typical um, cases and ask for any updates. And, and as a private business owner, I have to I have to lean on my community and my families, um, people that are in alignment with our mission and vision, and um, see if they can help us get to where we need to be.
0: Okay, so I think I saw something about a fundraiser. Um, yeah,
1: we you have are doing two going fundraisers right now. Um, one is um, I haven't really been promoting it too much because it's a little bit down. The road probably in a year or two. We um, have a building fund fundraiser um, because of the extensive amount of money that I had to put into this building. We are anticipating another larger building will have to have similar updates: uh, fire alarm, sprinkler, um, those types of updates. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my fundraiser that I'm actually. Um, actively um promoting right now is for fifty thousand dollars we've already raised i'm um, just shy of five thousand and that is for our transportation um hopefully a bus our technology that i want to grant to my teachers next year and um the taking down those exterior um excuse me taking down the interior temporary walls so that we can put in an exterior door so
0: jennifer so if people want to support you where can I direct them to this fundraiser
1: awesome well our fundraiser is on give send, go um it's give send, go forward slash cornerstone learning academy um and that's our fifty thousand dollar fundraiser that we are currently promoting
0: okay and is there a minimum donation or can it be
1: no no there's no minimum um GiveSendGo is a free platform, so they do add, they do request a donation, but it's optional. Um, if you donate, we are already giving five percent of our donations to GiveSendGo. Um, so there's already an embedded donation to GiveSendGo if you donate. So if you added an additional one, it would be additional to what we are already donating to GiveSendGo.
0: Okay, and how is that different from GoFundMe?
1: Well, GoFundMe is very similar. Um, we decided not to go with GoFundMe, just um, personal reasons. Um, I mean, a little bit of business reasons too. I, I have heard a little bit of stories about give, uh, GoFundMe not always um, sending the money to where it needs to be. Right,
0: and so we want to
1: make sure that we use a trusted site that will make sure that the money gets to our program when, um, when the you know, fundraiser's all over.
0: Right. I've heard that too. Or they ask for extra donation for GoFundMe
1: yeah. <laughs> where
0: it's like, wait, I, I need it.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> okay.
0: Is there anything else that um, any community members, if anybody's in Idaho, Ada County, and you want to provide or support Cornerstone, is yeah. there anything else that communi- community members can do?
1: Yeah, there are definitely other ways you can support us. So I'm always looking for good club advisors. If you have a skill set or something that that you love to do and you would love to teach that to the next generation, Um, we background check all of our club advisors and our teachers, um, but I would love to hear what you might want to offer. Um, And we also offer our uh, 11th and 12th graders apprenticeship programs. So I currently have an auto mechanic apprenticeship program, um, an electrical, apprentice program and um, a nursing and I'm always looking for professionals and skilled individuals that are are willing to teach students their trade um, so that we can break away from four-year colleges if that's a student's desire and they can have a skill set before they even graduate and then they can decide if they want to do trade school or four-year college at that point or go right into the workforce.
0: Wow. That's great. That's amazing. I didn't know that you did the apprenticeship. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's really great. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Jennifer, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on today? No, I just
1: appreciate you so much for inviting me to come back and I love what you're doing with the podcast and empowering people to take their power back and do what's right for the world. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You were an inspiration as well. (laughs) Thank Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, share it with a mom friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Chapters of Motherhood podcast. You can rate and review on Apple podcast. You can leave me a voicemail message on Anchor FM. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Chapters of Motherhood or Twitter at Mother Podcaster. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Veronica. Tune in each week to find your chapter of motherhood.